the question has always been like, okay, how can we make this entrepreneur journey smoother, less painful for them? And so I think, yeah, this I discovered the role of an incubator. And, um, and yeah, and it's such a... So beautiful to see that, yeah, with some advice, with some methodology, you can like help shape a business, build the confidence of an entrepreneur. And I think the most important thing is like being here for them to believe in themselves when no one else believes in them. And, And I say like, always my approach has been like, we will be here for you to support you, to tell you you can do it until the market tell you Mm. doesn't work <laughs> mm. but it should not be us who tell you it doesn't work maybe like our goal is to help you understand the market the fastest possible to produce the fastest possible your first like minimum viable product so that finally the market tell you like we want it or we don't want it so yeah our goal over the years has always been like okay going from an idea to a prototype the fastest possible, getting the first like product out, like getting the first like, yeah, uh, feedbacks out, first like you understanding as quick as possible, deeply about the problems that you are solving. And then like not spending too much time into planning what the future will look like, but just like doing, improving, doing, improving, doing, improving. And, uh, and yeah, like, it had not have been easy for so many of them, but those who stay here and remain are like the, the ones that they found the market. <laughs> nice. Hey everyone, I'm Dean Long, the host of Lifeline Podcast, where we are going to have deep conversations with changemakers from all around the world, working hard every day to make the world a better place. My guests share about their journey, what impact they are having, what are the challenges, successes and lessons learned along the way. And I hope you can take away a few things from these role models and apply it to your own journey as a changemaker. If you like this episode, you can share it with two of your friends, put a five-star review or comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or YouTube, and of course, subscribe to receive every episode and continue learning from all these role models. All right, let's get started with today's episode and I hope you enjoy. In today's episode, you will meet Melanie Mossar, who is an ecosystem builder specializing in emerging markets, CEO of ImpactUp Phnom Penh, onboarding coach with ImpactUp Global, and also fellow of Frontier Incubators. Melanie started her career as an unpaid communication intern and seven years later became the CEO. Since 2015, ImpactUp Phnom Penh has supported 403 teams of 850 people to grow their social enterprises, provided 245,000 USD in grant funding to 51 startups, ran 27 entrepreneurship programs, grew a team of more than 25 people, and so much more. She goes through her journey coming from the French countryside to studying in an international business school, her time working in a salad factory or volunteering with Peruvian moms, and how she's been creating life-changing opportunities for herself. She shares how she has built her confidence to overcome her imposter syndrome and become the CEO, 
and how, with her team, they turbocharge Impact Hub to lead change at systemic level, guided by their vision of a more inclusive and sustainable Cambodia by 2040. And the last thing, it's a very special episode for three reasons. Number one, because we have invited Linka from episodes 1, 25 and 40 to conduct the interview. Number two, because this episode lasts for four hours, so we have divided it into two parts. And number three, we have recorded the video for the whole episode. So if you want, you can switch now to YouTube and you can see everyone's faces. So enjoy part one and see you soon for part two. Hello, Melanie. Hello, <laughs> yeah, so happy, so excited uh, for this episode. Um, so, for those of you who are more used to who are expecting Ding Long's voice, you might be wondering where is he? Uh, don't worry, he's in the same room with us. He's behind the camera and managing all the productions. Um, yeah, so it's a very new experiment of the episode that I'm the the host of today. Uh, so I think let's uh, follow the same track of all the Lifeline episode. Just a reminder of all the listeners how I know Melanie. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's actually very interesting because actually last night we kind of uh, try to remember remember how do we know each other's and. For some reasons, I feel like you're part of my life. I just can't think of the point where you started to, you know, we started to know each other. Yeah, yeah, so... And I think uh, we were actually connected by Ding Long, uh, who is the host of uh, Lifeline usually. And it was in 2019 after I we've met again in Hanoi. And he was like, oh, this super, this super amazing community builder, like the person I have to know in Cambodia. So then uh, he connected us on, on Facebook. That's how we started to know each other. But I think immediately we were connected, yeah, yeah. right? It feels yeah. like we we're long-term yeah. friends already. Yeah, so for those of you who uh, will get to know you for the first time, uh, can you introduce yourself? Yes, so my name is Melanie. I So how can I say? So I, I come from a very small village in the west of France, uh, near Nantes, like uh, yeah, between the country, the city and the sea. So it's very nice countryside place. When I was younger, I was like, oh no, <laughs> I don't want to live here. But now that I grew up, I'm like, oh, this is such a nice, relaxing place to be. Um, and so I grew up like, yeah, like my, my father is a farmer. He actually, actually until last week, he was a farmer and I just retired this week so it's very very special day um, but yeah he was uh, taking care of cow to make milk and then also of uh, making wine so like very hard life I would say like I think from him I discovered what is it to be like a very hard worker like and really like yeah, also these challenges in agriculture that I can talk later about. And um, and yeah, like, I think he w- is really like a farmer entrepreneur. <laughs> like, it's uh, like managing a farm by your own. It's like, yeah, you have to do so many things. And it's, I feel like he, I really found like, yeah, he's an entrepreneur. And my mommy, she's a social worker. So I discover all the social world and like, yeah, more like how to help 
overs and like how to care for others. So I think, yes, since I am a kid, I have these two values in me without really, but having in my mind that I will never be a farmer and I will never be a social worker. <laughs> and so, yeah, I was like, mm, let's see what I can do in the future. But I want to highlight, yeah, a few things like, I come from a, a place where I feel no one really speaks English so much. No one speaks other languages, like not really exposed to what the outside world is. And I like for me, like, yeah, speaking another language is something like so wow. <laughs> I remember my first foreign friend was um, a girl, Andrea, from uh, Ecuador. And she was studying in my high school. And then when she arrived, it's my very first foreigner I ever met in my life. And then I was like, how can we be friends with someone from a foreign country? Because I, I think we cannot laugh at the same joke or something like this. Like, I thought like we, it would be hard to understand each other. Or like we would not have the same humor or something like this. Mm. And then I realized that. Yeah, we were laughing together and I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> we can actually be friends with someone from another country. Like, oh my God, I was so like, wow. And then I was like, okay, one day I will go to Ecuador and I will, I want to learn Spanish. I want to like, <laughs> to explore the world. And I think, yeah, just this one friend, like kind of like opened me the world. And then after that, yeah, I was like, okay, I want to, to do a, a business school. I can talk to you more about this after and then I I went to study to Peru I this is where also I discover so many things that you can ask me further about <laughs> and then uh, fast forward I ended up in Cambodia another story to tell <laughs> I'm yeah. just giving the teaser right now uh, of all the chapter of this episode um, and uh, I ended up in Cambodia where we are now and where I discovered Impact Hub and that was like I would say the first best investment of my life to come to Cambodia and like yeah almost seven years later I'm still here and I'm so yeah, proud and so impressed by what have been happening in the past seven years and and yeah, like so I'm really yeah, I feel like now I feel like from the first thought that I cannot be friend <laughs> with people from foreign countries now I feel like the world is like a lot of like friends to be discovered mm. <laughs> I would say. So yeah and and I think like Along the way, I discovered my passion. I discovered work that I really found meaningful. And I discovered also a lot of, like, yeah, incredible people that now I, I think, like, that I met at the right time who inspire me, I would say, along the way and who make me who I am today. Mm, wow, what a journey <laughs> from a very local village in yeah. West France, got inspired by someone from Ecuador and yeah. then spent some time in Latin America and then find your 
calling here in in Asia, in Phnom Penh, in Cambodia. Yeah, like so many expects to dig deeper. Maybe start from you know the beginning of the journey. So, um, for listeners who never been to France or they only know people from Paris, uh, can you describe a bit about what is the difference between? You know, a very local village in in France, and and I'm sure you've been to many villages mm. in Asia. What's the main difference, or how can people never been to Europe, uh, you know, villages understand? <laughs> I I think so. Um, I think so. The like so village life is very. Quiet, like but we still have, we have roads, we have car, we have like to move around. We have to yeah, take the car. Like when I was 18 years old, plus one day I passed my <laughs> license. Like this was like finally <laughs> I can move alone because everything is quite far from mm. from different places. So uh, so yeah, like uh, it's really important to pass your driving license when you live in the countryside. Uh, but I mean, um, no, but what I want to say is like. One of the main thing is uh, when we are in the countryside, like it's the same as any countryside around the world, is that we have less exposure to the world, to the opportunity. Uh, it's yeah, it's like you have maybe yeah less role model around mm. you in your school. Like like people are just encouraged to stay in the neighborhood, like. Like and it's normal. Like it's not really something that people are like pushing forward. Like, like when I first like say, oh, I'm gonna study in another big city in France, we're like, really? Like, but you know, there is like business school much closer to your hometown. Like, you don't have to go this far. Like, like, yeah, like don't go there. Like, yeah, like trying to. To stop me, I was like, no, <laughs> I, don't, I want to to uh, to change this, and and so I was like, yeah, always like, uh, and, and and I want to to say something like also, uh, like I was studying like economics um, in my high school, and then I we had one class on sociology, and I don't know if you know, but this theory where is about like reproducing like a theory that say that what your parents are doing you're gonna reproduce the, the same uh, statue like you're gonna like the, the chance for you to become like a manager if you come from like a like yeah more like a farmer background or like mm. then your chance is maybe like 2% or something like this. And when I read this, I was like, ah, why? <laughs> I want to be part of this 2%. Mm. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, but like, like, I don't want my life to be dictated by what the books are saying, mm. but like, uh, like, but yeah, reproduction, like social reproduction, that you have to do whatever your parents are doing like mm. I think it's it's something that I was like oh like yeah like but I and so 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 yeah I was like always like oh no I, 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 I'm smart I will go to the further I can <laughs> at school so uh, even my, my teachers they were like yeah you can do this this but they were not really 
suggesting me like to go to the best schools mm. it was me like and my mom especially she was like so like pushing me to join all the like open doors of universities of like okay see this see this see this like my, my mom she was very like so good at exposing me to the things that I like a lot of my friends were not exposed to because she really wanted me to be exposed so yeah I think exposure is the main thing and then I read a book yeah about like people in the countryside and I could feel really like relate to what I see also in Cambodia like people in the countryside who are not exposed to what are the next opportunities afterwards so so yeah and uh, yeah like and I think also I'm so grateful like my parents always <laughs> like even like the culture part I don't know like I know a lot of very famous painter <laughs> but something that not really a lot of people know because my parents bought me a seven families card game that <laughs> mm. <laughs> was made of painters so actually like I'm so great my I'm so grateful for my parents for like during our very small childhood they gave us a lot of like exposure to culture without like having to bring us to a museum in Paris you know like oh. <laughs> like like kind of small hack of like, <laughs> like <laughs> just give us a small card game and we didn't really have any other small mm. card games so we just plain paint <laughs> paint shirts <laughs> so it's like yeah so so I ended up yeah having quite a yeah I was not so so behind when I joined I was like the city people and mm. like, like okay what well, I don't know all the codes or anything so I think I I, I can fit in finally uh, in, in this and and yeah and, and then yeah I joined the university nice yeah. cool cool thank you so much for for sharing your uh, the, the the picture and perspective uh, in in the countryside I think it's very for me I find it very interesting that the uh, similarities between the countryside in Europe and Asia you know how people have less exposure to different opportunities and less exposure of like role models knowing what is possible you know different alternatives or different choices of life and also how you know people expect each others to stay not you know going out or do a, a lot of like maybe crazy stuff so how does it um any experience or any What's the journey like? Because yesterday, actually, with um, with another interviewees, uh, <laughs> uh, Monorom, you know, mm. we talk about limiting belief, right? Mm. So I think uh, what I understand is that people where you grow up, people have this limiting belief mm -hmm. of, you know, what they can do, what they cannot do. So how do you change, transform from, mm. you know... You know, get rid of this limiting belief, and you know, break the cycle and become the you know, <laughs> going up. You know, not as you mentioned, not yeah. become like f farmers and farmers <laughs> after generations. <laughs> yeah, how do you? Yeah, like I think, yeah, like I really, I think I like I want to be different mm. <laughs> because I found like, mm, yeah, I was like. Okay, 
if there is one percent of people who can do it, it means that it doesn't mean zero percent. It means one percent. Can I be this one percent? Mm. <laughs> and so I was like, always like, I was quite like, always like, quite competitive, I would mm. say. So, like, yeah, I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I think uh, yeah, I really love adventure mm. <laughs> kind of like taking race style mm, mm. like way of doing this and I and yeah like I learn also this when I like a big part of my yeah, childhood was about running oh I was like doing cross country wow I don't know if you know what is it it's like wow. you you run in the mud <laughs> ah. in the, and so it's like you yeah it's like yeah, five kilometers, like a quite small run, like when you're a kid. And then I was spending all my weekends and then like three times uh, a week just training and then running. And then I was selected um, to join the France Championship to represent my school. Oh. And I was like, oh, my God. Mm. Oh, my God. Like I was like 13 years old. Like I was like, oh, my God. Like I'm going to represent my school. I was so excited. And then I, I feel like, yeah, this small victory, like, kind of told me, like, you can be part of this 1%. <laughs> like, mm. of, like, like, if you believe in it, like, just you train. If you believe in it, you can be part of it. And so, and then because of this, then after I get to have my picture in, in the place where everyone is studying, like, and, and so I was like, because it was so interesting, like, it's like, you, you know, like, the place where you... You just like do your homework mm. at the school, and we see all the pictures of the people who went to this friends championship in different uh, sports. But all the pictures were very old, like ten years old or something like that. I was like, how come? Like no one from our generation goes to this championship. Like so, I was like, oh my god, I really want to be part of it. And then, <laughs> and then I got selected. I was like, wow. And then it was so hard. <laughs> but then, like still, like it was like, I think I learned so so hard to to do this thing and i i got selected one year for for the the french championship in like cross country and then the second year i miss the qualification by two seconds i was the first one non-selected participant and i was like and this is the time where i realized i realized that don't ever assume that it's done like or you like stop your efforts mm. like until it's actually done like and then yeah it was so traumatizing for me this moment I was like oh no <laughs> like I missed the qualification because I tried I trained so hard the whole season but then yeah I think I learned something from it but then yeah uh, I think yeah, I was a bit different all the time, uh, like doing like all these yeah cross country, athletics, runnings, and then I, I also like in the summer instead of uh, just like doing normal job, <laughs> I was doing very interesting job that taught me a lot as well. I was working in factories, Ooh. a factory worker, <laughs> and. Um, I used to work in a factory of where I was making macaron. 
<laughs> you don't like the delicious like it's like industrial way so yeah have to wake up at 3 a.m. every morning and then I was quite good in like putting the macaron together <laughs> so I was quite fast and we're like oh my god so good this girl let's put her in like very challenging position but it was so hard that we could only do it for 30 minutes and then like it's so yeah and this is the time also I realized a totally new world like the factory world and it's like all these people who are working so hard and um And actually, like when I joined my business school and one of the first internship we need to do is actually a job in a factory as a factory worker, because they say like, maybe you're going to be a manager of mm. a factory and you're going to have to manage people and you have to understand what it feels before being mm. a manager. And I love this approach on, on like, uh, yeah. On this, so I was working in a salad factory <laughs> where I had to <laughs> cut salad the whole day, like only keep the heart of a salad to very crunchy heart, <laughs> and then like putting it in, yeah, in by free. <laughs> and in this factory, I learned the importance of being uh, empathetic managers because, like, there were two managers one who were very nice every morning we were coming to the factory and say oh hello Linka how are you doing like shaking hand and like like really like looking at you in the eyes and knowing your name and saying like how are you doing oh your daughter was sick last week how is she now and then another one that was really mean and we were just coming in to say hey why we didn't achieve a goal of last yesterday like yeah you suck like better improve your your style today like you have better have to go past but when you are a factory worker you have nothing really to talk about <laughs> the whole day because except like starting to analyze everything that is around you and then you are like because now it's, it's, it's quite boring so just think about what you want to talk about and then you start focusing on this small thing and then you start like overanalyzing this guy was very nice and say okay this guy is so nice oh my god really like him and then you start like yeah like backstabbing the other one that was so mean and then you start like being quite contagious this kind of hatred mm. feeling like where people are like oh yeah you're right like this guy actually is a asshole I don't want to work for this guy like why like he speak to us like this and then like start like people start like kind of like motivate each other to think that this is so stupid what we are doing and then like and then start like being so like even like destructive <laughs> of like what we are doing like didn't really care about the quality of our work anymore and like And I mean, it's so interesting how I saw, like, and so timidly, like, the group with the people I was, like, made a small revolution. <laughs> and they were like, no, no, we don't want to, to work in this condition. And then the boss said, okay, you are all fired and we're going to replace you with people who really want to work from other countries in Europe <laughs> and you're all fired by <laughs> and then I was like oh, wow and all of this happened in the two months I was there and I was like 
super interesting like how everything started it's like just by having someone who didn't I think yeah, there was maybe deeper things but the starting point the trigger point was like the consideration of the people as individual as human like the empathy that you put in people and like yeah I got fired as well <laughs> because I was part of a thing and I, I tell my in my internship report I say okay I was fired but I understand all of this <laughs> and then I got like 20 out of 20 of my internship report like <laughs> because it was like the best analysis case study I could ever imagine of like yeah how to treat people how to create a working environment how to yeah like like the importance like how hierarchy works and doesn't work so so yeah mm. so I'm super like my business school is really interesting in terms of opportunities they gave us the whole time of our mm. university life <laughs> Oh, cool. So, yeah, so if I think, you know, starting from running and, you know, doing, trying a lot of things. Uh, and then I think what the, for me, it sounds like the process of, uh, you know, do you believe that you can do it? Yeah. And then your experience reconfirm that confidence. Mm. And, but I think what's more, also more fascinating is that you know the second year that you didn't get selected mm -hmm. but instead of um, just telling yourself that next for the next opportunity maybe you can't do it you told yourself what you've learned mm. so you focus on the learning and same mm. experience with your uh, internship with the mm. seller factory right mm. so you focus on the learning instead of telling yourself mm. what you're capable of or, or not I, I think that's part is super super fascinating like you always have this reaffirming belief mm. um, of you can try to do something and yeah. you know try your best yeah. and if it doesn't work you at least learn something yeah yeah, yeah. so <laughs> and then connecting the dots between the uh, equator door uh, e Ecuador, uh, Ecuador, yeah. Ecuador girl, yeah. and then business school. Yeah. So, so maybe connecting the dots. Like, how does uh, your experience of you know op the girl open up a bigger yeah. world to you, and then lead you to yeah. um, studying in the business school? Yeah, I think so. First, on the first day of the business school, they told us at the end of his business school you will be able to stand in front of a crowd of people in English and speak out loud <laughs> like what you believe in or something like this. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> no, I think it will not apply to me. Like <laughs> because just like, so I almost failed for this business school. I, I think I was part of the 10 last people selected in this <laughs> business school out of like... Yes, 700 people. <laughs> Because my grade in English, I had like six out of 20. Like really bad. And when they put such a low grade, it means like your level really sucks and they want you to feel it. <laughs> But my motivation grade was like 19 out of 20. So they saw that mm. I was motivated. <laughs> But my level of English was really terrible. So yeah. And I was so afraid to speak in front of anyone. Like this is something that is quite f 
French. Like we are never taught to do presentation too much in front of people. Mm. We're not really confident in this. So uh, and yeah, so and the first class they give us is theater class, like kind of like improv in in the school. And they say you have to do a five minute presentation in front of an audience of and make them feel something. Mm. <laughs> and it's like what? Speaking <gasps> for five minutes about something and being in a, yeah, improvising something. So scary but another very good perfect thing you need to do when you start uh, such an experience like this so like yeah really improve all the confidence of the class and I think really good but this was in French so not yet to the level of <laughs> doing it in English no but yeah I really really like if there is anyone who want to run a school <laughs> bring this theater class in your school because <laughs> it's really life-changing um, and then yeah like The school, have, like most of the teachers were foreigners, like 70%, I think. So it's interesting. And then you have, from like the third year, you have, we were only maybe like 20% of French people and the rest is only foreigners studying in, in the university. So... It's interesting to yeah to be in France with surrounding by a lot of foreign people. So I love this this aspect. And actually in the first two years we were more like because we are a bit afraid of foreigners, like still <laughs> we don't really mingle so much. But uh what is interesting is like so for this school is everyone goes to university abroad on the third year. Mm. And it depends actually on your ranking. Mm. And so it's super cool what's happening. is like they put every one of us in an amphitheater and then they call us one by one. And then you have the university choices and the number of spots available in all the university. <laughs> and you have... 10 minutes per person to make a choice of where you want to spend the next year. And it's like so crazy this day. So it's like the first person say, okay, I go to McGill in Canada. I go to La 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 in Hong Kong. Like, and so it was like, so first like, yeah, it goes quite fast, but then like the people who are the less in the ranking is like, oh my God. Should I go to India or should I go to <laughs> Peru or should I go to... But for me, I was like 56, so I, it was quite good. Mm. So I was like still a lot of choices. And all the people be before me were like to Australia, Hong Kong, Ooh. Canada, US, all of this. And me, I said, I'm going to go to Peru. And they were like, huh? <laughs> Peru? <laughs> It's not really like a place like people go. But they were like, yeah, like... I don't want my... This is going to be the best learning experience of my life. Like, let's be totally, radically different. Rise. And it's quite close to Ecuador, so I can't... Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I decided to go there. And I went there with two other friends. And... Or like, the, the life-changing experience of my life, I will say. Because 
there actually had a friend who went just the year before so he just told me like okay you have to go in this house you have to select this course you have to do this and this so I think I had the best experience in everything I was living in a house with like 15 people all from different uh, countries and yeah like coming home was just like <laughs> a full adventure like it's so nice to to live with many different people from different countries and then I put all my class only over two days mm. from 7am to 9pm uh, so then I had all the rest of the time ever to travel or ever to um, to do volunteering and I was volunteering in um, in a place where mom who got mistreated by the husband but who were pregnant or have very young kids were staying kind of like hiding from their husband and being like in a safe place for mm. them but they could like they cannot really go out so much because otherwise like they might be seen by the, the family of a husband or something like this so that's quite sad and boring for them to be already there by themselves so we were going there every week for one year to just like chat with a mother play with the kids and like organize birthday party like organize big games <laughs> with my friend and it was such a beautiful adventure like to yeah, to meet these people and to understand their reality and and yeah and being able to yeah give them another perspective about the world as well because we never met anyone from our country and and yeah, and, and I love this like consistency also like being going there every week for one year, like you really yeah, build like very strong relationship with them. So I think like yeah, every time I I commit to something I don't want just to commit to test it a bit. I mm. like I want to stay. <laughs> like mm. I want to see the impact in the long term. <laughs> So, so yeah, like this was really fascinating experience, and and another really incredible like thing that I I got in Peru is I chose a course by one of the former minister of environment of Peru, who was a biologist and who was the first ever minister of environment of Peru, and his class was just like mind blowing. It was from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Mm. And it was just him speaking and tell us stories. But this is the first class I never yawn. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, wow, wow. <laughs> he was telling us like all these stories and like how he negotiated with like mines, uh, like gold mines to like regulate how is it managed, like how to... Yeah, how you regulate the mine extraction industry because like there's so many illegal gold mine, like there's so many like, like yeah disasters in the Amazonas also. It was like it was like it was because there's a lot of farmers in the Amazonas or like indigenous communities mm. who are selling their land oh. to like big factories and so they were posting in newspaper like they were selling the land mm. and actually what he was doing is that he was handwriting letter himself sending to these people to tell them no we need you to keep your land to take care of it this is the land that 
need to be preserved. This is the land for our future generation. Please keep this land. Try to yeah, like take care of it well. Like like really like this very powerful personal message that he was handwriting himself, sending to this indigenous community. And then like one of my friend was living there actually received one of his letter from his parents and then his parents decided to keep the land because of his letter you know so it's like this kind of like very caring personality mm. really like made a, a big change in like in his country and yeah and then I keep on like teaching until he passed away oh and actually he passed away before the end of my class oh so you know like yeah like one day he was like oh sorry i'm quite sick i cannot come to uh, to teach you and then three weeks later he passed away and i was like oh my god like until the end like i mean he was very old like he was Mm, mm. very old already and so it's like oh, really admire like the commitment of like teaching the next generation and and you're really part of this like these five people I'm really grateful for mm. and I miss like later like yeah I think like two years ago this was maybe ten years ago mm. and two years ago I was thinking about okay I need to share the gratefulness to the people I care mm. about so I found his wife on LinkedIn Ooh. and then I sent her a long message saying like yeah. how it changed my life and she was like oh, I'm so grateful for your message like yes true you are such an incredible man la, la, la. and yeah I'm so happy I could also share with like his wife like to <laughs> for her to realize that yeah it had uh, an impact on on me at <laughs> And this is also in Peru when I realized I discovered the, the word social entrepreneurship. And then uh, I read a book by a guy called Mathieu Dardaillon. And then I, when I read this book, I was like, oh, incredible. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like all about business, like the more like the efficiency of business approach in solving the worst problems that I start seeing in the world. Mm. So I'm like, oh, magical how these two worlds come together. And uh, yeah, and this is another chapter. But I just want, yeah, I want to say something else. like, I discover also like, because my, my, my family is quite Christian, mm. quite Catholic. And so I also join a lot of Catholic events. I join like, big world youth day where we were like 2.5 million youth Ooh. to meet the Pope <laughs> and it was like just like mind blowing like this concentration of people in one place like in, in all in, in person in, yeah 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 oh. in Madrid oh, okay. incredible but then in religion there are still few things that I don't really relate to I was like yeah, to be honest, like all the things about like God or something, I found it quite boring. Mm. Like I thought, I can't <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, I can't really relate. Like I, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but then, I still like really love the values of a mm. religion. Yeah, yeah. Whenever we don't talk about like 
all the like rules I would say of a religion, like all the rules I found it oh, oh, <laughs> so annoying. But all the more like the, the, the spiritual approach that actually we can find in any religion like this, I found it super interesting. Mm. And then I found that maybe actually social entrepreneurship is like all this belief of like you can help someone, you can uh, you can like care for others without having to talk about all this like more like religious stuff <laughs> but ah. I found l- less inspiring and mm. so that's why I was like oh just want to get the best of what I like already I want to go in this direction so yeah <laughs> whoa wow yeah yeah it's a very fascinating journey and I think um, yeah like there's so many things such to connect right like mm-hmm. from someone grew up in the environment where no one speaks english mm-hmm. to spend whole year in peru with all the international people uh and then and then you know spending time volun you know studying business but then spending t- time free time for social work in the you know with the the, 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 the with the mom the yeah. safe house yeah I think like everything that you are doing is like it makes so much sense mm. uh, and then you know seeing how other people devoted his mm. life yeah. for a cause uh, and then you know like feeling and then you took that spirit yeah. Uh, and yeah and I think you know like connecting with people that's you know something that you do naturally right so so yeah and I think um, you open up a very important topic uh, and let's dive into that social entrepreneurship <laughs> yes yeah. Um, so yeah and did you read the book when you were in Peru or yeah I read the book and I really recommend this book for all the French speakers listening right now. Um, it's um, À la rencontre des entrepreneurs qui changent le monde. It's like meeting entrepreneurs that are changing the world. And, um, and actually in this book, there were, like the, the writer was talking about a train journey in India that changed his life called the Jagriti Yatra. So I can tell you later about this. <laughs> but just a yeah, teaser. It's basically a 8,000 kilometer journey by train with on board um, 500 youth who want to transform India through entrepreneurship don't, don't really know where to start and like in like looking for inspiration and for 15 days they go all across India and then stop in 12 places where they meet local role models that are like pioneering and innovating in like very key sectors such as healthcare, education, agriculture and many more and yeah it's like really really fascinating journey so I was like one day one day (laughs) I will join it too and uh, and actually like this happened sooner than I thought because actually when I came back from France, uh, uh, from Peru, I decided to do um, a master in entrepreneurship and innovation and I took uh, a class where I was also matched with an entrepreneur 
was such a nice course, like really, really good course, like very practical. And um, and then at the yeah, toward the end of the year, they ask the school ask us all the students what will be your dream university in the next ten years as part of like the big visioning exercise where they were asking so many different stakeholders of like what the new vision should look like for their university and then I was like and they say like like price a trip wherever you want to learn new way of learning mm. <laughs> I was like this is so cool guys we should motivate each other and like do it so I did it with two friends and yeah, my very funny friends, like I really love them so much. <laughs> and then I we created this like school, like very entrepreneurial, where like all like project based learning, where you have some learning expedition and you learn how to do some project management, like you know you learn how to fundraise, you mm. learn how to pitch your project you learn how to you get mentored by senior like so I created like a lot of like special track like at the end you do a TED talk or something like that. <laughs> so I created like a lot of very interesting um, experiential learning that were also very connected to understanding better about all the next challenges of our uh, century mm-hmm. and uh, also very international yeah very like action oriented and so we won the first prize. <laughs> so then we said, okay, where should we go? <laughs> and so we decided to go to India and visit one of the place that the Jagriti Yatra stop. Oh. Because it's called the Barefoot College. It's a place actually where they are teaching grandmothers who don't know how to write or read mm. coming from very small villages from very rural communities from around the world who never left their village they bring them, them to this small village in India to teach them how to be solar engineer and the whole thing is that they think that if you train a grandmother she has so much influence in the village that when she comes back, she can influence everyone to lose solar power. <laughs> and then she's going to be influencing other grandmothers. Well, actually, if you train a young girl, she might just leave to the city and mm. <laughs> leave the village. Wow, that's smart. And this is so interesting approach. And then they're like, okay, but these grandmothers, they don't speak English. They don't speak... Uh, even sometimes the language of the country, they are... <laughs> they have like their own dialect so what they did is that they yeah it's all like the methodology is all like learning by doing mm. and like experiential learning like and so yeah so so incredible like going there <laughs> like it was so wow because I could speak French Spanish English so I could speak to the grandmothers from South America, from Africa, and from a bit from Asia. And so it was so interesting to collect all the stories. And so one point, like, there was one of the grandmothers who said, like, hey, uh, because they were just arriving from, like, they arrived already, like, three weeks ago. 
and we were quite excited to be here and except like one of your grandmother who was very sad and like oh, what, what happened to you and he's like oh like I'm still, I, I can't uh, reach out, I can't tell my family I, I arrive home like I, I arrive here because I cannot manage to call them like I, and I can't tell them I can't tell call my family they don't understand me and oh. and so I was like oh okay okay give me like the contact or, like let me try like I'm gonna try it with another friend who have the phone and then like we went there and then we realized that oh actually she doesn't know how to use the country code ah. and she didn't know the country code she only had the number without the country code and so actually like so we use our phone actually we managed to like through Skype like mm -hmm. <laughs> you know you can connect yeah phone landline and then we managed to get to the son of a woman and then they say oh oh is it you oh yeah I was like oh I, I just met your mom she really wants to speak to you like really oh my god your, my mom is here and say okay okay wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna get her uh, on the phone oh. and then so I run to her, I was like, oh, I managed to get your son. And he's like, really? And she's <laughs> like, oh my God, oh my God. And later she starts like screaming. And Whoa. then she starts like, oh, I think I never saw so much joy in one person. <laughs> and then like, so she started like calling all her friends, like because they were like usually two or three grandma from one village yeah. together. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Oh, oh my God, we're right. And then like, yeah, at the end, like, in, during the call, they were, like, dancing. I was like, Aww. thank you, God. And, like, <laughs> they were, like, hugging. <laughs> and their big boobs, like, I was like, this is so girl. And then I was like, oh, my God, I love this moment so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this beauty of, like, joy, pure joy. And, yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> So when I told them how to use the country code, <laughs> oh. thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, yeah, this was a very beautiful moment. So yeah, when I came back from this trip, and then yeah, we did our report to the school, and then said yeah, congratulations, yeah, thank you, thank you, and then. I still like be part of like this small committee of a school of like okay like how can we create a new vision that is more aligned to the next challenges of the world of tomorrow and uh, actually after I managed to go to Cambodia it's another story but I want to share like back to the school it's like one year later when I was already in the school, uh, in, in working in Cambodia, one of my, uh, <laughs> like, one of the entrepreneurs I supported uh, got selected to join a presentation in India mm. to present his business. And this was the first time ever a Cambodian entrepreneur will go internationally to present his business on a stage. Wow. And... I was super proud of this and I was like, oh, I want to be here to be with you and help you on this, or like, just be here to cheer you up mm. in India. But back then, like, we were so poor, we impacted up, so we couldn't pay for the flight ticket. But then I was like, okay, wait, 
I think the new vision of the school now is empowering change makers to build a better society. I will contact my school and I will tell them maybe I can go if I like what the work I'm doing right now is actually really this. Like, mm. like I can be like the illustration of your strategy if you want. <laughs> like, and then I can like have this opportunity with this entrepreneur. So can I? Can you sponsor me to go to India with him? And then I can like share with you the story of like this entrepreneur and what I learned from this trip and whatever you want. And then they say, definitely, we sponsor wow. you. Uh, go there and then when you come back, we're going to do a launch of the strategy and we want you to tell your journey or how you get from who you come from to... Whoa. Whoa. the job you're doing right now and I kind of like illustrate this vision and I was like oh my god I'm okay okay so I just go on this flight and then we have a stopover in Malaysia and then in Malaysia I was going first and the entrepreneur was following after and then in Malaysia he told me hey Melanie bad news I got rejected I cannot I didn't get the mm. right visa so you have to go and you're gonna represent my dream home in India instead of me and I I believe in you to represent well my dream home and pitch instead of me uh, and then so to be honest this was like the most scary thing ever in my life I was like no 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 I called I called like now MBS know how to speak English but I never presented in front of an audience and like can't like I was like traumatized I was like shaking like really and I was so scared like going to India alone like don't know like yeah the name thing so I was so scared but I in the plane I, I there was a girl sitting next to me I was like uh, can I speak to you <laughs> I was like can I tell you what's happening to me like I'm so scared I have to do this presentation and I don't know I cannot do it and it's like no I believe in you <laughs> like and this girl like tried to reassure me oh. like like yeah, I never met this girl before, and, <laughs> and then like yeah, like so I was like okay, 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 and then I arrived there, and they're like okay, so but then uh, you're gonna stay at the Marriott and take the the room of this <laughs> of this of this entrepreneur. I was like oh, I never stay in a four star hotel. Like I always stay in backpacker hotel. I'm so poor all my life. Like I cannot. <laughs> I, I don't have a clothes. I don't know what to do. Okay, so okay, let's go. Oh, so that was like so like, and then I was like, oh, so much money spent on this crazy conference, and while all these entrepreneurs who were invited are so poor, <laughs> so like I was like, oh my god, this is such a crazy world where we are talking about poverty and like entrepreneurship and like resilience and like how much like everything is so big and so expensive and so I was like such a weird world (laughs) like really like I was like I 
actually like the money you spend on this hotel and the flight ticket if you just give this money to my entrepreneur mm. to buy a machine it will change yeah. his life forever and I was like so oh. the first time I saw like the craziness of this world <laughs> and the, such an inequalities of like how the money is distributed and like yeah I was like mm, interesting <laughs> And uh, but then when I was there, I met the founder of the Jagri Theatre in India, and I was wow. like, wow! So and I told him like, oh my god, I'm such a fan. One day I will join. One day I will join. I was like, I count on you, but yes, <laughs> join the Jagri Theatre because I told him like, my dream is to do it in Cambodia, and he's like. First, you have to experience it by yourself. So mm. I want you to come first, and then we can do it later. <laughs> I was like, okay, one day, one day. <laughs> and then I, yeah. So then I present on the stage, and yeah, my 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 speech was more about like, I want you to know that Cambodia exists, and I want you to know that there is this emerging generation of young innovators at mm. all happening and emerging and and yeah like come to Cambodia invest your money in Cambodia be curious like these are all the pioneers we need to believe in to build this new generation of entrepreneurs in Cambodia and yeah I'm quite quite proud of my speech <laughs> like uh, and then I realized like yeah whenever you speak with your heart just gonna go well <laughs> mm. so it's so yeah and, and and yeah it was very empowering time I was like okay what they told me six years ago <laughs> that one day I can stand in front of a crowd and speak out what I believe in in English this was possible today <laughs> the business school formula worked for me <laughs> mm. but um, yeah so very yeah in, like I think this was a very key milestone for me after mm. <laughs> right yeah so just to wrap up the university chapter mm -hmm. and uh, you know that you so everything that you've learned and become like a living example and role model um, you know like I'm sure your university is so proud of you <laughs> uh, yeah so but I would say so one thing I learned also at university is that if you like a lot of people criticize university but if you go the extra mile interact with teachers mm. try to be a part of the change you want to see in the school <laughs> and make yeah. like constructive feedback and suggestion like actually we are just waiting for students to step in and like ah. do something so I was like oh my god I had such a like passive behavior for all my life until I realized that yeah, just when you say what you want and like we are like yeah oh yeah 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 this is a good idea like, ah. so like don't wait to be asked to do something mm. like I think first they ask like us like what do you want to see the next step to be but like all the next things were like me always like suggesting sending the message and the last thing is like actually like one year and a half ago I go back to my university like during the summer and I say hello long time no see hey I found like you still you can do more in terms of like showcasing your new vision like 
what about you have better courses or like how can we create new role model in the university that showcase like the incredible change makers that are existing in this network can we create a podcast about it Ooh. so i just pitch this idea of podcast to them and they say this is such a good idea and then they created like a committee and then they hire some people and now they are doing it so <laughs> i'm so happy like now we've started it so yeah like just speak up <laughs> mm. in a constructive manner Whenever there is yeah something you don't like you you think you want to change yeah you can't just say like oh no they are not doing this like like anywhere just like say what you want in a mm. constructive way that is feasible and makes sense and people will listen uh, if it's a good idea <laughs> yeah so instead of criticizing think yeah. things and hasn't done enough yeah. just um, you know. Talk about what do you expect and how yeah. can you, you know, make it happen. Make it happen. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. That's pretty amazing. So, so yeah, I think everywhere you go, you leave a lot of positive legacies. Uh, and like even with Barefoot College, <laughs> that, um, I'm sure the grandmas will forever remember you, the, the girl who taught <laughs> them the international code. <laughs> yeah, like you try to connect with people and leave all this positive legacy mm. with them. So, yeah, so then let's dive deeper into your social entrepreneurship journey. Mm -hmm. uh, so you started with the book, Matthew Dendarleon. Oh, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, and then you, you found out uh, the Jacqueline Yatra. And then you, you went to... Um, India to, to, to pitch on behalf of the <laughs> entrepreneurs and talk about the ecosystem and stuff. So yeah, so how does it, how does everything started? Yeah, so actually one of my, at the end of my studies, one of my friends told me like, hey, have you heard about Impact Hub? And then I said, no, let me Google it. I Google it and then I end up in the website. I just read a few sentences. I'm like, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing. Oh my God, I want to be part of some place like this. And actually, yes, yeah, so what I did actually, I, I just created a, a small presentation um, of uh, like... <laughs> who I am, what can I do, my vision for my future career and how the vision of Impact Hub aligns with my own vision for my life. Just like a very interesting, funny, original presentation. I spent like maybe one hour collecting all the email address of all the Impact Hubs, <laughs> people running Impact Hub around the world. And then I just send like the same message to everyone. <laughs> And then one by one, <laughs> and then I went to sleep. And then <laughs> the next day, I wake up and then I receive a ma an email from Impact Up Phnom Penh. I'm like, oh, where is Phnom Penh? <laughs> 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 uh, where did I send it? And then, um, so yeah, like they were like, yeah, let's have an interview. And so yeah, okay, okay. Then I do the interview, I say, yeah. Yeah, so we just started. We don't really have a lot of money. So could you come and volunteer? Uh, do you think, yeah, you can come maybe in three weeks? I'm like, huh? <laughs> so basically, like, now I just have a job offer. <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's real. Like, they want me to come over. I'm like, wow. Oh, my God. 
So I told to my parents, should I go to Cambodia for like <laughs> not paid and just like go there? And I was like, maybe if I stay in Paris and I get an internship, I will pay just exactly the amount to cover my rent. I will still need to pay maybe $400 from my own pocket for the food and everything. Well, if I go to Cambodia, I might spend only $300 or $400 on accommodation, food, and everything. And maybe I'm going to have a much better experience if I go to Cambodia instead I stay in Paris. So, let's go! <laughs> so I just went there and went here. And then I arrived and loved it. Like... Yeah, I found it very... Like I would say, my first impression was just like, okay, I have no clue about Asia. I have no clue really about also entrepreneurship, to be honest. <laughs> so let's be an observer, a listener, uh, like a story collector, and just like learn by observing. And I just spent a lot of my time observing, seeing also how like the co-founder of Impactor were running, like how they were managing the company, like learn everything I was like another school <laughs> and then I had to do my thesis also on like before I graduated and I decided to do it on like the emerging entrepreneurial ecosystem of Cambodia and this is when I realized that oh, there is no paper <laughs> about it like there is not so much really thing like existing so I start like interviewing like the first like the uh, founder of Small World, Riti, who was like really the pioneer of the ecosystem back in 2011. Like, okay, what does entrepreneurship look like in Cambodia? Who are these entrepreneurs? And then, like, seeing like the first entrepreneur we were supporting at Impact Hub, and yeah, and soon realizing like all these structural barriers that entrepreneurs in Cambodia have, like the non-access to all these big international crowdfunding platform because like Stripe doesn't allow Cambodian bank account to receive money, like how like hard it was for them to make their family understand what they were doing, how hard it was to find the right team members to join the team because no one really understand what this job is and how hard is it to yeah convince people to work for free at the beginning to believe in something bigger than yourself and, mm. and to ultimately like start like validating the business and, and start regenerating revenue so yeah I realized all this hardship and I was like oh these are like double heroes <laughs> for me like they are like already like starting up a business is super hard but like when you do it in such a context like where no one believe in you no one is like building any like structure to support you like oh my god <laughs> it's super interesting and like so then it always have been like the question have always been like okay how can we make this entrepreneur journey smoother less painful for them and so I think, yeah, this I discovered the role of an incubator. And, um, and yeah, and it's such a, so beautiful to see that, yeah, with some advice, with some methodology, you can like help shape a business, build the confidence of an entrepreneur, and 
I think the most important thing is like being here for them to believe in themselves when no one else believes in them. Oh. And, and I say like, always my approach has been like, we will be here for you to support you, to tell you you can do it until the market tell you mm. doesn't work. <laughs> mm. But it should not be us who tell you it doesn't work. Maybe like our goal is to help you understand the market the fastest possible to produce the fastest possible your first like minimum viable product so that finally the market tell you like we want it or we don't want it so yeah our goal over the years has always been like okay going from an idea to a prototype the fastest possible getting the first like product out like getting the first like yeah uh, feedbacks out first like you understanding as quick as possible deeply about the problems that you are solving and then like not spending too much time into planning what the future will look like but just like doing improving doing improving doing improving and uh, and yeah like it had not have been easy for so many of them but those who stay here and remain are like the, the ones that found the market <laughs> nice do you first of all um i really like your approach when you were pitching yourself you actually started with what you can do right so you mm. actually want the people to instead of um just starting with why you know th these organizations can help you i think mm. a lot of people when they approach uh big organizations mm. they say oh because of my career growth i really need this opportunity mm. but you actually change the the sequence mm. you you started with what you can do for this um organizations mm. uh, so i think that's pretty amazing and then um so you came here and joined impatap nompen uh first time ever <laughs> know the place uh the city and everything so do you remember your first big responsibility or assignment then you're like oh. <laughs> uh, and how do you yes. feel about it what's the story Yes, yes, but just before, I just want to do a parenthesis on like choosing a job. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I think it's like, like, I really want to highlight this thing that I think like a lot of the time, like, people think that they should go where people want them, <laughs> but it's also. I think like the power dynamic of like having an employer telling you, okay, I accept you. <laughs> mm. And then you're like, okay, so accept me. So I have to go there. <laughs> I don't really like it. I feel like it should be you really choose wherever you want to go. Because mm. like one of the things that Ticket for Change keep on saying is that we spend 80,000 hours of our life working. Mm. What do you want to do out of it? Mm. And yeah, like if your daily job can become meaningful, like why truly something meaningless and waiting for the weekend and uh, the evening to do something meaningful? Mm. <laughs> so first I was like, oh, oh <laughs> sure I do something, but I'm happy to go every day. Like there is so many jobs in the world, <laughs> so just go for it. And so and one thing that what changed my mind also is that like one of the 
star year counselor in my school. Mm. They were asking us, what are the top dream places you dream to work for and with? Why, like, with that, like, forget all the constraints that, like, forget about money, location, like, thing you can't do it or anything, like, or no connection or anything. Mm. Just forget about all of this <laughs> and just make the list of your top dream craziest places company you really 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 want to go mm. and I think like when you ask yourself this question you start like thinking very wild and then everyone had a big smile on their face like thinking about, oh my god I could do this I could do this like and I'm like yeah that's it like like me I never knew anyone working at Impact Hub I just like <laughs> went on the website collecting all the information and then after the next step is like showing this company that these are your dream company of of your life mm. <laughs> and when actually someone apply to you like we, to your company and say like you are my dream company this is what I can do for you I want to be part of your story. Like, I want to be part of your future goal. I want to I see myself in your value and everything. Like, like a company will for sure not be indifferent, indifferent to what you, you, you tell them. And especially small company, I would say. Like. Mm. So, advice to anyone listening to us, just make this top list of a 10, <laughs> 10 company. And even if it's like taking care of orangutan in a island in mm. Java mm. if it's your <laughs> dream just type orangutan Java island you will find an organization who take care of it just message them send them a video about you dreaming to do this and like do do things to show your motivation and you might get it <laughs> and say you can come and volunteer and then they have no risk to, to do and then to take and then if it works, then it's the best for your for your life. And especially at at such a young age, we have no like we have no like pressure. Like you are only alone, and better even if you are single. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so so yeah. This I think this mindset is really important to have. And yeah, and then uh, yeah. So okay. So back to your question. Uh, was it again? <laughs> the first uh, major responsibility. Oh, yeah, yeah. The yeah. first major responsibility I had was actually um, taking care of bringing the theory U of Otto Schrammer from MIT to Cambodia Ooh, wow. because it was a partnership between the MIT and Impact Global, and we had to do like local chapter to talk about this theory U, which is kind of like transformative process to look at a system in a different way where mm. you first like I would say sense what is around you get inspired like practice more like deeper listening observe things that you never saw before to like going deeper in learning more about yourself and more like going through an introspection journey before like taking action mm. and then like start like prototyping the future you want to see mm. so it's quite deep by then I thought like oh my god too deep 
<laughs> too complicated. <laughs> but then when I found these three words, like inspiration, introspection, action, I was like, oh, wow, yes. This is, I found it much more, put my own words on this, and I found it much more relatable. Mm. And so I kind of like, yeah, rescript the whole thing. <laughs> and then always like documenting what I was doing. And then I also like share it again to the MIT, Ooh. like in a constructive way saying like, oh, what about <laughs> we use these words? <laughs> because maybe more, more relatable to people. And yeah, and they actually mention it. It's like, oh, a big thank you to Phnom Penh to bring in, <laughs> bring, bring wow. this. And I, I was like, oh my God, they're <laughs> So again, I was like, See, you need to speak up what you think, and mm. if you say it in a constructive way, like people will take it into account, and uh, so yeah, so this was like my first big uh, mission, and I yeah, I learn, I really love this this process, and then another very funny thing that happened, another kind of crazy story, I guess, <laughs> like like four. As I said, like it's all dot connected, everything. <laughs> so three years before, I attended a conference in France, which was called like it was like the World Economic Forum for Responsible Economy, and there I met some people who talk about the Gross National Happiness Index from Bhutan, mm. and I was like, wow, this is so incredible! I'd never know about Bhutan, and then like opened me the Bhutan door of like, wow, Ooh, want to explore wow. something like this. And then, like, this conference, I, there were, like, um, the Nobel Prize from Bangladesh. Um, <laughs> Professor, Professor Mohamed Yunus. <laughs> and then also Antonio Meloto from the Philippines, uh, from Gawad Kalinga. And I was like, oh, such a, like, you know, like, you know, like, you, you, you listen a speech to someone and you're like, wow. <laughs> like, so fascinating. <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, and then, like, this conference, they were doing it again, like, two years later, and they were sending newsletters, sending, like, hey, so it's going to be about, like, collaborative working environment, like, how can we build a better world, something like this. And then I was like, oh, can we speak about, like, I see no one speaking about, like, new working space like more collaborative working space such as mm. co-working space where like serendipitous connection happen yeah yeah <laughs> so I just messaged him again <laughs> speaker at <laughs> word for economic forum for responsible economy something like and say hello uh, so I'm doing this job in Cambodia my goal my role is to connect people together and like make them do collaboration in the workplace would you be interested in me sharing my experience? <laughs> Just send this. Get back to sleep. <laughs> morning. Oh my God. Melanie, your message is coming from the sky. We were looking for someone like you to, to illustrate this concept. Please come to France and speak about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was, and then I was a speaker just after Antonio Melotto. Like, oh, <laughs> I was like, ah, this is so, so crazy. So, so yeah. And then people thought I was like very famous <laughs> person, like <laughs> recommended by someone or something. I was like, no, no, I just emailed them. <laughs> I just, like, coming from, I just participated. And then, so, 
like I feel like all of this situation are the things that tell me like don't wait for someone to open the door for you mm. just like knock at the door smile <laughs> <laughs> like bring your best best self and then like if they like it the worst thing is that they can say no that's mm. it <laughs> like there's no no other thing to lose so so yeah and the best thing you can you can change your life and all of these episodes are like kind of life changing but it was every time like something I just like send randomly like mm. an email that I thought maybe someone will read it one day or maybe <laughs> and and yeah so yeah so yeah I think it's pretty cool that when you are sending out all these emails yeah. like you didn't think about oh what if the people see it they don't reply or what if they you don't consider the consequences before taking actions yeah. right? just like you sent it and uh, and you know let's you, see let's see yeah yeah i think it's pretty amazing that's why you will focus on taking actions because um, you just you focus on just do it and you didn't bother to think about you know what if uh, and and everything, yeah. And then you mentioned about your your role, you know, connecting people, making things happen, uh, make people work collaboratively, uh, co collaboratively. And then you mentioned about you know making entrepreneurs know that you know you believe in them until and then let the market tell them, uh, right? Until mm -hmm. the market. Uh, tell them you know if it's true or otherwise mm. or you adapt etc and uh and i remember your 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 quote uh in impact up no pen i don't know the exact wording but it's like never underestimate the power of a small group of people the changes that they can bring right can you elaborate a little bit more about maybe yeah. on your you know your responsibility you know bringing people together and then making them knowing that they are believed in and mm. you know and then your belief in the changes brought by a small group of people congrats for listening until the end of this episode of course to best support lifeline you can share this episode to two of your friends and subscribe to the next episodes on any platform see you next time <laughs>